This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to get ready for the new Dune movie. This week... I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. Were you, like, in a home ec class where you made, like, meth? Is that what happens in Florida? And by the host, producer of 70mm and the Letterboxd show, Slim. So baggy around the knees, but tight everywhere else. Stylish. On this special vacation bonus episode, we kick off our John Carpenter triple feature with his slept-on 1987 Physics versus Religion versus Demons thriller, Prince of Darkness. If you're enjoying the show, check out our Discord server where you can sign up to join us at the Dune Pod IMAX private screening of Dune on opening night in San Francisco. A link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, Prince of Darkness. So it's the end of summer and Dune Pod is going to be on vacation Yes, next mm. week. And so, Jason, I want to just ask you, my first question is for your vacation with mm-hmm. your friends, do you mm-hmm. also have a T-shirt made <laughs> representing <laughs> representing no. your friends getting together? Talk to no, me. No, I don't have any apparel. Tell me, tell me the story behind your, your clothing choice for the vacation you're going on. Inspire well, me. It's Slim's legacy, so we'll let him describe it. What does what does PK Listen, stand for? Before before we get into the legacy, let's talk about Jason's legacy of his name in this Riverside chat. Demon <laughs> Spooge Tank. Is that visible to the viewers? <laughs> Every week, H and I change our Riverside display names to honor the movie that we're watching. Uh, and this is my Demon Spooge Tank is one of the details from <laughs> Prince of Darkness. <laughs> The uh, the vacation that H is mentioning, I so full disclaimer, H and I will be together during this vacation that he just mentioned, this this break on Dune Pod. That's right. We are uh, lucky enough to have a group of friends that were formed from a podcast that I used to do about comic books with Dale from Bat and Spider and mm. Jonesy, who was a previous guest on Dune Pod. Mm-hmm. And H, uh, to your credit, formed a slack of, you know, the hardcore listeners of this podcast from the past. And mm. we all just became super close friends. And slowly but surely, it was just me, Dale, and Jonesy that would plan kind of yearly vacations together. And then eventually, we opened it up into some of our close friends like Chuck from Bat and Spider and mm. uh, Karate, a dear friend of ours, and Catcher. And two years ago, we had our biggest one. It was like 18 people. Mm-hmm. We had 18 wow. people. And I told my brother about this. He's like, I don't even have 18 friends, let alone vacation <laughs> with 18 people. So- yeah. I understand it's it's a it's a crazy concept, but uh, pretty grateful. Yeah. What Patreon level do you need to donate at to go <laughs> on the vacation? It's not about money, you guys. It's not about money. It's about the friends you make along I'll the DM way. I'll DM Jason offline to confirm the monetary value of <laughs> yeah, that let invite. Me, give me a number. <laughs> <laughs> so we're super excited. It's going to be really fun. We're going to be, uh, you know, in a house with a bunch of dudes hanging out and uh, and having oh, a good time. I can smell it. I can smell <laughs> this vacation right now. <laughs> and where are you going to be, Jason? What's your what's your plan? Uh, we're going to Southern California. We're going to uh, the beach for my 45th birthday mm. with now mentioned three weeks in a row. Good longtime Aaron? friend, Aaron Fagerstrom. Yeah. Nice. Who I saw the uh, 
Star Trek season three, best of the world season finale, which <laughs> is just really the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. So we're getting together to talk about Locutus uh, <laughs> for a nice long weekend. Awesome. Well, we're super excited. Uh, Slim, we really appreciate you stepping in for this bonus episode and, and to record this. And so we had planned starting next week, coming back fresh to do a John Carpenter double header. We had yeah. said this season on Dune Pod, we're going for the big ones. We mm. did Alien. <laughs> we did Blade Runner. We did Star Trek Four. So <laughs> that's it. You got them all. I think we got Star Trek all. Four was the last one on the rung of the ladder to get all yeah. the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> now, so John Carpenter uh, has done quite a few influential films in his day. So starting next week, we're going to get into it. But we wanted you to come back to the pod. And you had been punished a couple of times. You had Denny's yeah. Enemy, his least accessible film, yeah. as well as Inherent uh, Vice. Inherent Vice. God, God we what really an had experience. You for I was really raked over the coals for those episodes. Just giving me the. You talk about Star Trek Four. I got the Star Trek Four of the the Denny Villeneuve library. Uh, so Why yeah, you had you had talked about Carpenter, and eventually I kind of suggested this movie because when I first saw this movie, you know, I don't remember a lot of people talking about it. I don't know if it's uh -uh. Just, just because it's not streaming or the thing and they live and you know his other ones just kind of suck up the oxygen but mm -hmm. this is uh right up there on my list for fave movies for sure and it's in that carpenter run right like it's right in oh, the yeah. run of like the thing and big trouble and like it's the core wood of the carpenter of it's it's right there and we'll we'll get into some of the some of the differences and and how mm. things were unfolding but so we're super excited to have you here and so tonight we will be talking Prince of Darkness mm. and then next week we'll be back we'll be refreshed <sighs> we'll be hung over um and we are ready to tackle the first of those big ones John Carpenter Kurt Russell 1981 mm. Escape from New York. So great. Wow. I've actually never seen it, but I'm excited to watch Excuse it. Excuse me. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> Holy know. Holy shit. Holy moly. And to join us for Escape from New York, Slim's best friend and nemesis, Scotty Young. Oh my word. What a pull. Mm. Super Did Jason put that together? Is this a Jason get for the Jason pod? Cold, Jason Cold Call. <laughs> <laughs> We've never met. Uh, that's going to be a great conversation. Yeah, he is a phenomenal comic book artist, really a legend uh, of the last 20 years, and was on 70 Millimeter to talk Pan's Labyrinth. That was an amazing pod. Mm, not mm. a great movie, in my opinion. That might be a scandalous comment to make, but mm. didn't love it. He's all right. All right. Well, so we're super stoked for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We are not doing Dune News this week because mm -hmm. we're, we'll be on hiatus, and we will have talked about everything that will be happening on the news last week's episode. So- Follow mm. that logic, and mm. uh, and it will all make sense. <laughs> the hype is nuclear at this point. <laughs> we, yeah. we have another month and a half before this movie comes out. Yeah. I don't know what is going on. I'm I'm excited to watch it. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Everyone's mm. saying it's like one of the best movies ever made. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be watching it at home, probably my basement that, that you see right now, my dingy basement, but it's waterproofed. No. <laughs> um, probably going to be ordering some Wawa, maybe a chicken parm. I and like a strawberry smoothie. And I'm just going to sit back and watch some Dune. Great. Very excited. Be excited. Love it. All right. Shall we get into this? God. Let's do it. Are you guys ready? I am. I'm excited for the H synopsis at the beginning. I'm already tingly. 
All right, here we go. Prince of Darkness is the battle to reconcile faith and reason in order to wage war against an evil that aims to extinguish all light. Brian and Catherine are graduate students on a team of theoretical physicists who are called by their leader, Professor Barak, to assist a priest of the Catholic Church investigating a mysterious phenomenon unfolding underneath a cathedral in Los Angeles. For millennia, the guardian priests of the Brotherhood of Sleep, a covert order within the church so secret that even popes and cardinals didn't know of its existence, had kept a vigil against a sealed artifact that may contain Satan himself until now. Finding themselves trapped inside the church and their ranks dwindling as evil overtakes their companions one by one, even their dreams will be invaded by transmissions that may hold the key to their survival. Can they find a way to prevent this unholy invasion from a mirror dimension, or will they become slaves of the Prince of Darkness? Oh, he did it. He did. He nailed he it. He did it. They didn't know for sure if he was going to get there. He <laughs> might, you never know. He might forget the name of the movie. Yeah. He might get lost along the way, but yeah. not this Not this week. Yeah, I mean, Prince of Darkness, you don't have a lot of latitude of, of how to land that ship. So, Or will mm-hmm. they prince the darkness? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, Jason, what is your first experience with this movie? I never heard of this movie. Uh, my Carpenter, I've seen Halloween. Big Trouble in Little China was a hugely important movie to me in my childhood. I loved Starman also a lot when I was a kid. The, that's like my kind of Carpenter knowledge. I've never seen Escape from New York. And I've never you know, seen The Thing. I just want to hit this really quick while we're, yeah. while we're on Starman. This is Michael Douglas uh, was the one who produced and put together Starman. And he was rejected by the studio to star in it because they're like, look, you're great on the streets of San Francisco, but you can't carry a movie, Michael Douglas. So uh-huh. so Carpenter, you can make the movie, but get Jeff Bridges. But you got to use Bridges. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wild. Continue. Well, I mean, it was a good choice. I mean, Jeff Bridges was pretty perfect in that movie. So, oh, my God. I don't know. St- studio must have known something. Never seen Starman. Oh, my God. It's, it's so been, great. It's been it's rumored good. as a potential 70mm episode at some point in the future. Oh, yeah. Stay no, tuned. Mm. Worth, worth doing. Uh and so, yeah, I never saw this movie. I was excited to see it. Put it on last night. Asked Crystal to join me for it. We hit play. And she just saw, like, the synopsis, actually, before it hit play on, like, you know, the the rental screen of, like, you know, demon essence in a canister or whatever it says. And her reaction as I hit play was, oh, no. <laughs> that was, that was... <laughs> Did it say demon spooch tank? Or was it, like... <laughs> that was, like, that was like the first, the first just lead into the movie was mm-hmm. oh no what evening are we in for mm. yeah i i asked amanda i was like have you watched this carpenter movie with me before because i have the 4k shout factory release which wow. means she probably didn't watch it with me because because that, that player is down here and i was mm-hmm. like it's about this uh you know catholic church has been hiding satan in the basement does that ring a bell to you and she's like no <laughs> i'm like all right let's fire it up <laughs> and did she like it uh I forgot to ask. I think she left maybe with like 10 minutes left. <laughs> so I'm not sure. She might have retired to the bedroom to read before the movie ended. She's so like, I think, not I, so think I got the gist of what's going on here. I think yeah. I got it. Yeah. And so Slim, when did you first discover this movie? It was like recently, I think, right? I think it was like last year. Mm. I can't remember. I might have been going through the Carpenter movies and he has, I think what's called, you know, there's this trilogy of his films. I, I believe the thing is one third yeah. and into the mouth of madness is another with Sam Neill, I think is a star of that one. Mm. 
And I did not love Into the Mouth of Madness. So mm-hmm. once I found that there was like another one that is kind of his apocalypse trilogy, I was like, oh, maybe I need to check this out. And I looked up, I think, the movie on Letterboxd and the background image is horrifying. It's this woman with like decaying yeah. skin. Yeah. She yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. a Totino's pizza for one. <laughs> what's going on in her face. So I was like, oh my God, I need to see this. And then I read the synopsis and I was like, whoa, this sounds right up my alley. Like Catholic church lying about the supernatural and religion and oh, yeah. pizza face. <laughs> pizza I love face pizza. Woman. <laughs> I love pizza. I love his music. So this seems like I would potentially love this. I can't, I, mm. it might've been a, a movie that I'd heard about maybe on Bat and Spider at some point. Uh, I can't really pinpoint it, but I, had to seek it out and then I bought the 4K, which is gorgeous. So yeah, I fell in love uh, and it's grown in multiple viewings since I watched it. Mm. I saw this film in 1987. It was a Friday night and I had- How do you know what night it was? My God, 1987. (laughs) I can't remember what night I did anything two weeks ago. In the 80s, they only showed movies on Fridays. (laughs) It's the only night you could watch a movie. Let me preemptively get this out of the way. It's a Friday oh night. Uh, I go to Mainland High School, 1,500 kids, and I had just won the Mr. Mainland contest, <laughs> and which was a, a giant talent and popularity contest what you, thing. What was your act? I sang. I did acapella, did a, like the Levi's 501 blue jeans acapella thing, and- uh, <laughs> I did what a strip. What does that even mean? <laughs> you make it sound like everyone knows what that is and it's normal, but I don't know what that is and it sounds yeah, insane. It was a very it was a very popular commercial in 1987. And uh, I also did a strip tease where I had a uh, <laughs> a set like a a set of purple balloons all over me and what? was was <laughs> dancing this is before dancing to uh heard it to the grapevine and popping balloons as i was dancing wait, this wait, doesn't was this sound all real. one act this was all one it act? was like this quick it was like two and a half minutes of three songs i also did blue suede shoes <laughs> um and so then there were you know, other put, dudes that like had acts that would yeah, come like one on guy, one guy played like metal guitar and another guy, you know, like whatever. I can't, I can't even remember. But then there was a tuxedo, like we had to dress up in tuxedos. And uh, so anyways, I win. What? I win. Are, there, are there photos? Are there photos of this event that you could put in the episode chapter uh, for people oh to look at? God. I think I might have a photo somewhere on Facebook. I'll, I'll take a look. Um, were you like in a home ec class where you made like meth? Is that what is that what is that what no, happens? No, Florida? but I did end up as the president of the Future Business Leaders of America, but that's a different story. That sounds believable. Oh, I think God. everyone listening to that listening to this yeah. episode probably just nodded. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. That the heard it from a grapevine balloon striptease is yeah. a bit of a farther bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little weird. But uh so anyways, oh. so I win that contest and then we go to the 10 p.m. screening of the brand new opening of Prince of Darkness. And this movie is absolutely incredible, completely blows me away. It's phenomenal. This is already one of the best days uh, of my life. (laughs) And then at midnight, when it's over, we jump in a car and we drive three hours to Tampa Bay, where we have tickets that night to see a little band called U2 performing the Joshua Tree Tour 
And so we showed up in H fashion. We were in position by like 4.35 a.m. so that when they opened the doors, we were able to sprint and be on the wall. I let one person get in front so that person would get smashed on the concrete. And we were 10 feet from the edge, 20 feet from Bono. Literally like, the edge, the person, not just the edge of the stage. That is correct. That is correct. And one of the greatest- I don't know. One of the greatest concerts of all time. Amazing, amazing. So that was that Friday in 1987 uh, when I got to see Prince of Darkness. All right. Well, so let's uh, let let's get into this thing. So, yeah. mm-hmm. written and directed by John Carpenter, he wrote it as uh, Martin Quartermass. So, Slim, can you give us the update there that you researched this week? Yeah, I, I was actually pretty uh, tickled when I found this piece of trivia out because. Uh, I Googled this. He wrote it under a, a pen name, surname, whatever you, hell you call it, Alan Smithy, mm. uh, as an homage to uh, a writer who wrote the Quarter Mass character movies. And Bat and Spider, by the time of this post, I think mm. have just posted an episode uh, focused on a Quarter Mass movie. So I thought it was a weird chain of Alignment. events that brought us all through here. Mm-hmm. Do you get chills? Do you feel that? I got chilled up. As soon as I read that, I, I felt some kind of temporal presence in the house, and I had to go ask Amanda to get the EMF to run some it's tests. I, I noticed that Quartermass name, and I thought it was sus when I, when the credits were going on. Also, did you you notice the credits are like 20 minutes long in this in, no. in the opening? Yes. Like the credits are yes. really long. Real intense. Real intense in this movie. Oh, oh, the intro where they're showing the, the characters, intro. like, and yeah, then yeah, they show yeah. credits, and then the characters in class and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they, and it just keeps cutting, cutting back, back to the credit. Like, there's more credits. It's yeah. like you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, camera operator, and then like another like five minutes of like wandering around campus, and then like you know, this guy worked on something else, mm-hmm. and then you know, it just keeps going. <laughs> and so, so the the opening image here, right? We have an old priest who has died. Um, you know, in the church somewhere, and we have Priest, played by Donald Presence, finding this box that he has that has a key inside it and finding his diary. And Mm -hmm. he, we're cutting back and forth between him and Brian, who is our lead in the film, and his other students as they're taking a class from Professor Barack. Yes. Brian Marsh. What a milquetoast character he is in this movie, but he's got a great mustache, though. He's got a great mustache. I love that he's continually trying to work on this magic trick, like this oh, card yeah. trick where he's trying to hide like a, a card behind his fingers, like doing a little close-up magic like yeah. throughout the movie. It's just like a little bit of business. And never once does he nail the trick. No. Like during like n- in no take was he able to actually successfully vanish the card. You just see him fail at this magic trick for an hour and a half. Art, Art in chat says he looked like an FBI informant, <laughs> which is true. And, I, and my first viewing of this, I called out him and actually didn't like Donald Presence the first time I saw this. Hmm. Um, I wondered who they would have cast as the Brian Marsh because he's not really the star of the movie. It is really an ensemble cast. Hmm. And I guess you could even the female lead character is more of like a starring role. But hmm. I, you know, maybe it just, yeah, maybe it did work out having kind of like a zilch in that role because they didn't really get a ton of time to shine necessarily. So, I mean, I'm curious about this. Carpenter had just done a run of huge films that were really successful and had really big budgets, right? So Big Trouble in Little China is not a low budget film, Mm -hmm. Um, but he explicitly went and said, I want $3 million and complete creative control and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna make the movie that I wanna make. And I actually, spoiler, I'm going to ding this film, even though I love it, 
I'm going to ding it for like, I just kept thinking this guy playing Brian, he's from Simon and Simon. He's just like a, uh, this nobody and not a leading man that can carry a film, I think, in a really compelling way. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking like if this had been Kurt Russell or if this had been somebody, uh, somebody like that, a Jeff Bridges or something, what would this film have been? Mm. If this had even been like the guy who played Brad in like Rocky Horror Picture Show, it would have been, <laughs> it would have been like slightly with a little more zhuzh. But I guess if you like get, if you get to do like the three million dollar, if you get to do it on the cheap yeah, and have complete creative control, mm. you get who you get. But then you also get to put your name like above the, like you get to call it John Carpenter's, mm-hmm. you know, Prince of Darkness, which I noticed on the titles on, on the way in. If that's the case, why did he write the movie under a pen name? Is that some kind of like guild thing? Like they wouldn't let him write the movie? You know what I mean? Like why bother? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the only thing I can think of, and this doesn't really help, but uh, he was very influenced by a book called Timescape, um, which has a plot point of people from the year 1998 transmitting information via tachyons back to the past to try and change the future. Seems like a mm. big steal. Yeah, and he called that out in in the Shoutcast uh, documentary, the behind the scenes. He was very clear about that. But so I I don't know I don't know why he why he didn't use his real name. Hmm. So the other big theme that is running through this is this notion of subatomic physics, specifically around quantum mechanics. And so Jason, there was a lot swirling around at this time, and very specifically, you have a physicist Freehoff Capra who wrote The Tao of Physics physics, and Turning Point. So, you know, he was definitely thinking about religion and quantum mechanics going together. He had said specifically that Heisenberg had talked about having experiences in India that tied him to the idea of of physics and religion. Same thing for uh, Niels Bohr in China. Mm -hmm. So talk to us as our resident physics expert, like what's going on here? Well, The Tao of Physics is a great book and one that folks should definitely check out if you're interested in this like intersection of religion and, you know, quantum mechanics and 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 physics generally. Uh and like, you know, I think is I think is an interesting exploration of those themes. This movie kind of like I think more sort of gestures or like, you know, <laughs> waves waves its hands in the direction of that. Like, you know, it, and so it, I don't think it really kind of gets it, you know, it, it sort of shakes Schrodinger's cat out there like just as like hey we've heard of this thing like without Mm. really kind of using it for any particular you know it like invokes partial differential equations for essentially no reason and that's (laughs) so like none of that's like super great but what i think it does do instead is like it's just got like the i think it's got more like the vibe of like the intersection of those things because i think like all the stuff it does on like the weird religious stuff like the kind of like catholic weird catholic hidden secret shit like all feels like super creepy and weird and then like you know they assemble like essentially like the the avengers but it's all like grad school students to right. like you know to, right. to research this problem um and so that that like kind of gets you the the flavor of academia without having to deal with any of the rigors of the science <laughs> nice yeah in one of my reviews i point out that this feels like it's ripe for a remake of all the movies that get remade oh, yeah. This yeah. feels like one that would just be yeah. like 100% a big time sci-fi horror thing to to reproduce. Yeah. Yeah, I the movie the contemporary movie which is a remake as well that reminded me the most of was Suspiria. Mm. Um and like I could totally see like that style of movie being applied to this exact subject matter. That's our like guy from the Call weird... Me By Your Name, director? 
uh, Guadagino. I think it is. I think it is that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. And and like I think you could apply like all of that like kind of weird religious kind of overtone stuff as well as like the kind of specific historical context of whatever. It would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Army Hammer reunites. <laughs> oh yeah, the cannibal version of disgusting. Uh, <laughs> Army Hammer spitting in people's mouths. Mm. God, <laughs> guaranteed blockbuster. Yeah, and also even the. The parts about the Catholic Church and this that stuff I am just so in love with. Like the idea that the Catholic Church would hide the fact that like real there's an anti God. Like there's a God yeah. that created the universe, but then there's another universe where there's like this evil version and he controls evil. They're like evil is real. It's not just an idea that people can make the choice. There actually is like a, another universe that you can't see. Like that stuff is so cool. And then like the priest realizing that it's all just like a lie. I love that stuff. Well, that's yeah. So let's 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 kind of get into that a little bit because sort of like the the motivating force here is that there's a giant jar full of green swirling liquid that mm-hmm. has been hidden for the last 2000 years and mm-hmm. it has been guarded by this order of the Catholic Church. Um and you know, you have these guardian priests. I love that concept of guardian priests. That's that's badass. Paladins. Yeah, and um, and so they've been sort of keeping a watch on it. But now there's a feeling that something has changed, and the sleeper is awakening. And so that is what has caused the priest to go out and talk to Professor Barak because he is basically saying there's something really weird. I guess they've deciphered the texts, these thousand-year-old texts, enough to see that there's mathematical equations and stuff in there. So he knows he needs help from a scientist who has an open mind on this kind of thing. So that's where all of the grad students get brought in to be using magnetometers and to be doing X-ray analysis and, and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, this jar is starting to open up. What do you think about that jar? What do you think about that, that green jar? Loved it. I love that whole you. room, that whole underground church. The candles? Looks so mm-hmm. badass. Yeah. Yeah, the room looked good. Who's lighting those candles? That was a question I that I had, but I was like, you know what? Go, just go with it. <laughs> go with it. It's fine. It looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal called out that the green, the green glowing case thing reminded her of um, the source of power that Queen Gedrin has in Red Sonia. Mm. Queen Gedrin has the like movie? a glowing. Yeah, the movie. No, the real life historical drama, Red Sonia. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the movie or the person? <laughs> she's got like a green, she's got a green glowing source of power. It looks like a very similar sort of thing. So I don't know. Mm. Maybe there's more things that are getting ripped off in this movie than just mm. the, uh, than just the <laughs> physics conceit. Well, the other thing, the other thing that's going on, once they all sort of show up on a Friday to start doing their research there, immediately there are people who are experiencing, um, homelessness that are beginning to form a ring around the church um, Mm -hmm. and bowing to the sun and like definitely Mm -hmm. can we just refer to them as zombies through this episode is that fair or if that makes you comfortable that's fine when the woman is shaking the priest's hand and she has you know ants crawling on her face and her cup that she's she's eating out of has maggots in it uh, you know that is that is very intense Mm -hmm. crystal also has a a deep childhood fear of ants so this was a challenge. This was a challenging movie for her on a number of levels. I feel. Yeah. And Pop in Discord calls that Alice Cooper as the Alice, lead oh, yeah. zombie experiencing mm. homelessness. And I yeah. think he's on the Shout Factory bonus features too, right? Doesn't he go deep oh, on really? like religion and? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. Oh dang, Milwaukee. 
Yeah. He's a pretty cool cat, that Alice Cooper. Yeah. Very cool guy. You should check out, if you haven't listened to his WTF interview, it is amazing. He basically figured out that nobody was playing the bad boy of rock and roll and that he could just literally just take that position and he mm. bet the farm on and paid for his own production value on stuff and ended up becoming one of the hugest artists in the world. It's amazing. Was there nobody playing the bad boy of rock and roll before Alice Cooper? Is that real? Not in, not not tackling like uh, like the theatrical version that he did. Rock right? and roll had no history of challenging social mores <laughs> and being excited. It was just everyone he was excited saw, about. He so, could disrupt rock and roll. the rock and roll industry. He saw a business opportunity. Yeah, I'm just telling you what he said, man. It was a <laughs> homeboy plays golf. His like ex- facts are extremely sus. I think he was the he was the NFT of rock and roll. Back in the day. <laughs> Don't go there. Uh, well, so and he actually, as they've sort of surrounded and they're they're you know people are starting to get panicked, but they haven't yet realized what what exactly what's happening. We have the first kill of the film, which is Etchison, um, who is one of the scientists who tries to leave, and Alice impales him with a bicycle. Oh, with a bike. And actually, that was a quote impaling device from Alice's current stage show. Oh my God. He said, "Hey, I have this. I have this impaling have device. You know, how about if I impale him?" Jeez. Um, but that guy was done. a real herb. The <laughs> the guy the guy who gets impaled. He was clearly doing some chemistry. Like he didn't seem <laughs> didn't seem like he was going to make it for very long in this movie. No. Bunch of yeah. whiny babies on that team. Yeah. Well, and the song he's listening to is a- is actually the song Prince of, of Darkness course. by Alice uh that he did for the of movie. Course. So, yeah. of course. Pretty cool. Name 5 Alice Cooper songs. Can anyone do it? <laughs> Schools out School's for out. summer. That's that's the one that's I got. My guess. first. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, I I'm not a huge Alice Cooper guy. Um, all right, so we have it's established when we get to the big exposition scene, okay? The father of Satan buried the container before he was banished to the other dimension. Right. Christ, Christ came to warn us. us. He was, was an, an extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial ancestry, but a human-like race. It was determined that Christ was crazy, but he was gaining too much power, so they killed him. And his disciples decided to keep the secret and hide it from civilization until man could develop a science sophisticated enough to prove what Christ was saying. Slim, unpack that for Ooh. us as a resident yeah, Catholic. As a, as a Catholic, yeah, please explain <laughs> Resident, a person who's grown up Catholic. I wouldn't say I'm Catholic now. Um, but yeah, that's a conversation that happens in the movie that if you're not paying attention you're on your phone you're like <laughs> yeah. missing you're missing all that it happens so fast i it rewound it. this is the f- fourth time i've watched this movie i think i rewound it even just this viewing um but it's funny that this plot is very close to a movie that h just eviscerated covenant uh, or prometheus mm. the original mm. like oh, idea God. of prometheus oh, is yeah. that one of those um what are they called engineers uh, engineers went to earth and was crucified for their ideas for what they did to human civilization and that's what that's what happened that That was another draft that was a a, something he cut out because he thought it was too nutty he thought Hmm. that people wouldn't really deal with it i wish that he kept that in because it would have made a lot more sense but it's neither here nor there but the the idea of that you know it's just so cool i i love it when people just kind of tear down the church capital c you know, with their uh, ideas and this long-standing history, you know, I want to see like cool sci-fi ideas around the church 
And yeah. this is one of those things. What a cool idea that, you know, the church has been lying, you know, obviously uh, all mm-hmm. these years. So yeah, th- that plot of the story, like my ears perked up the first time I watched it big time. I totally missed until right now. I actually said to Crystal, like, wait, did they just say Jesus was an alien? And she was like, no, 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 like the devil's an alien. I was like, oh, okay, all right, fine. Because that would be crazy. It's kind of weird that like Jesus is an alien is just sort of like a throwaway thing in this movie. And like the main thing they need to focus on is like the spooge tank. But like the Jesus being an alien just remains as a, as a problem slash statement outside yeah. of the reality of the film. You could ignore that line and still the like the the general gist of the plot is cool like okay yeah let's just assume that god and jesus were legit but then they hid the fact that there was an anti-god right. that existed like okay that's still pretty cool like even if you forget the alien stuff well look i mean as a former fundamentalist christian and now a relatively fundamentalist atheist i don't believe in god but the idea that there could be a race of creatures that have become so advanced that they can seed life, not unlike the engineers from Prometheus. Like that's a totally reasonable hypothesis. Um, would make plenty of sense, and it's a it's mm-hmm. an interesting concept that you have. You know, Christ was passing this information down to his disciples, the differential equations, and all of the information, and then the idea of having to take that. I, I guess it's an interesting concept of for Christ to have become so dangerous that they were able to kill him and then his disciples still trying to carry it on. I don't know. That's just a really cool, it's a cool idea. Did you become an atheist as a result of the weekend when you dressed up like a Fruit of Loom? Uh, <laughs> you won the great. contest. You, you won the became atheist. <laughs> you won the contest and denounced God. <laughs> I just remember when I was growing up, when Passion of the Christ came out, or not Passion of the Christ, uh, what movie was it? Oh, it was, uh, no, it was the book where the, Guy finds out that Jesus is like heir oh, is still alive. Dan, what was that oh, Dan Brown book? The Da, uh, da Vinci Code. Code. Yeah. yeah, I remember my mom being like, "Just remember, that's a book, and that's not real <laughs> life." But yeah, that was a fun time. Well, mm. so I mean, to me, there is actually something that's very interesting in what's happening in this film. So right after you have the exposition about Christ, um, you know, one of the professors asks the priest, "You know, how do they keep this secret for so long?" and our man, just like this monologue, is great. Apparently, a decision was made to characterize pure evil as a spiritual force, evil within the darkness in the hearts of men. That was more convenient. In that way, man remained at the center of things. A stupid lie. We were salesmen. That's all. We sold our product to those who didn't have it. A new life. Reward ourselves, punish our enemies, so we can live without truth. It's a pretty scathing indictment. Yeah, Donald Pleasance is really just you know biting. You know he's he's chewing the scenery in mm. these yeah. scenes like big mm-hmm. time. He always sounds like he's near death. He's yeah. uh, he's like oh god, we were salesmen. So that's why I didn't really like love his performance. But this this time around, I was fine with it. I liked yeah. him more than the worst doctor in history in the Halloween movies. Like every oh, yeah, movie yeah. He, in there, he's just so the worst. I really liked how he was in touch with, like he could feel viscerally everything that was happening, like shifts in 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 energy or like getting cold or like as things were happening, he could just sense that. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a very cool, a cool touch. So from there we have uh, Frank wants to leave. And I just called this out because I thought this was a great line of dialogue. Come on, Frank. You're out of your minds. This is a joke. 
This is Kaka. It's Kaka. <laughs> it's Kaka. It's Kaka. Classic quartermass writing. Yeah. <laughs> but that woman with the shears is terrifying when she's kind of running out and she's like this weird motion that she has in the way that she runs. That was scary. Mm-hmm. There is something about the carpenter like cinematic style that's like very distinctive and like it, it's interesting. It did remind me of like when we were talking about Mulholland Drive and how like I think one of the great things that Lynch does just generally is like show you something that's like absurd and full of artifice and like on its surface is really funny, but also like makes you feel something emotional. If it works for you, it could do that. And like Carpenter kind of has a similar trick where there's there's ways in which he shoots things that like seems very silly. Like the woman running with a knife could be like a fairly silly thing, especially since it follows a it's all caca line. Mm. But like it is actually scary also. Like he manages to somehow do both, which is seems pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I like his I like his visual style from, you know, the early era. Like the empty streets, the yeah. wide lens. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff with figures just kind of like standing in the corner of the screen far away mm-hmm. or disappearing. Yeah, really fun. Good mm. use of soundtrack also. I mean, good use of like score, like, you know, and just like using that to build atmosphere and mm-hmm. make this it This score, and... come on. Like this is- Score is amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Great music. Crystal thought it was the Blade Runner score uh, <laughs> at first because it's got like a similar kind of like, you know. Yeah, he's so, he's extremely talented. I think mm. people were kind of like coming around and like a not like a resurgence, but maybe like a mainstream resurgence. Like how he's done these interviews where he just like hangs out and just plays video games all day, right? You know, while mm. they're doing they're making these movies and stuff. So it's cool to see you know his name kind of like staying in the limelight as opposed to just kind of being someone that like disappears into retirement. Mm. I wish I wish he had a bit more help on like the casting and the script part of the filmmaking stuff. Like, I think we Mm. talked about a bit, like, you know, the, like, there's not a ton of great performances in this one. A lot of like wooden performances in this one. And like, what about Walter? What about Walter? Which which one's Walter? Walter's uh, from Big Trouble in Little China. Dennis, Um, Dennis Dune. Yes. Yeah. I've got a collection of Dennis Dune lines that are phenomenal (laughs) in here. Let's just, let's just run through it. Let's run through a couple good ones real quick. Yeah. Um, I used to break out when I was 12 and doctors said it was a homosexual panic. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my God. I don't remember that line. Oh, I do. Yeah. And during that, during that scene where the priest is like giving all this stuff, he says, am I crazy? Or are we stroking ourselves heavily? Here? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the other one I had is, I hope they're both getting laid and on their way to a nice Chinese restaurant. Mm. Like, I mean, it's just, it's it's just very strange. Like he's mm-hmm. got like a very kind of like I don't know, not a naturalistic dialogue writer. The script. Um, can we just talk about Walter's pink shirt with the roll up uh, sleeves? God, what a style! That? He had a great style. Those mm. pants he had on too, so baggy like around the knees, but tight everywhere else. Yeah. Stylish. Speaking of Walter, mm. he wakes up uh, and he's having a dream. Right, this dream thing. Let's talk about the dream from the future. So there's a dream and it's the front of the church uh, and it has this very odd quality to it. And apparently Carpenter shot it on video first and then played the video on a TV screen and filmed that uh, with 35 millimeter um, in order to get that effect. Mm. And it definitely has this great vibe. The sound is amazing. Um, and Jason, you obviously would know DJ Shadow famously sampled this on introducing. Oh. 
Did he? Is that where it comes from? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. That's great. That's a good Gen X. That's a good Gen X touchstone right there. The question I have about this whole thing. So they're receiving messages from the future, from the year 1999. Can we just, can we just like unpack the whole thing of what happens here? Unfurl it. Yeah, please go. Well, I don't know. I don't understand it. I think from my many years of reading comic books, the time travel, time changing, timeline adjustment. I think in the beginning of this movie, it's a dark figure using the tachyons to deliver a message from the future to their dreams. And then towards the end of the movie, you know, she goes through and Mm -hmm. just slightly adjusts the timeline, at least in Mm -hmm. my opinion, so that the timeline is still going on. They actually didn't stop anything, but she's in the future attempting to make contact with uh, Milktoast Boy Mustache. And so she like pops out of like the demon world in the future. Uh, or is she sending the message from within the demon world? It's a good question. I don't know. All right. That's where I got confused. You could also just say it's just a fun, goofy, you know, like post credit scene where they just wanted to do some one quick shock like before the end of the movie and doesn't really have to make sense. You know, Art points out in chat that this is eerily similar to the end of Interstellar where a character ends up sending a message back to the past from a mirror dimension in order to write the timelines. Is Christopher Nolan the biggest fraud in cinema? (laughs) I ask you. Name five good Christopher Nolan movies. You can't do it. You can't do it. The evidence is compelling. Batman one and two. One thing that I like about this is our man Brian takes the time to describe the fact that tachyons could be used to beam a message back through time and space. But they actually take the time to reference the fact that you have to know the trajectory and the speed of the Earth. Mm. Usually when you talk about time travel, if you just went back in time, but you didn't calculate for where the Earth was at that time, you'd be dumped in the middle of space and you'd be dying. So I really like that nice little touch there. But I think specifically someone there that is like a rebel is filming uh, the Prince of Darkness or the, the his father coming out of the church and transmitting that image back. And then through the change, it becomes Catherine instead because she's gone through. She's taken his form. Yeah, and maybe that's a different dimension, right? Like that could, maybe it's another timeline that's been created um, in the book Timescape as they're transmitting information back. Eventually they transmit so much that the people are able to change things and then they can no longer reach that previous incarnation anymore. Like their Mm -hmm. time is, is cut off and something else happens. So I think that's what happened here. Interesting. What about the scene in which he picks her up for the first time? Like, uh, they make love. The bland bro. He's trying to do the magic trick for her and failing. He's like still working on the fucking making the seven of clubs disappear and not doing it. And then he says, and, confirmed sexist and proud of it. And, mm-hmm. and, then, <laughs> and she's just like, well, this is fucked up. He's like, hey, what happened? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the writing in that conversation is not good. And then she apologizes for making the conversation awkward. It's a rough, it's a rough meet cute in this yeah. movie. I mean, it, but it, unfortunately it works, right? It they works. Like, they skip to the next morning and he's making her coffee in bed. Mm-hmm. That's just how things worked in the 80s. Well, so we, we touched a bit on the end part, but I do want to hit one piece, which was uh, Pizza Face. So Kelly oh. is one of the students and early on, it's a nice little, it's a very subtle touch. She bumps her arm 
and then she gets a bruise and then that bruise turns into a symbol and in the end you know she becomes the the chosen one and when the seal is broken all of the water goes into her um and then she just transforms and i love all of the shots of like her body transform and the sounds of like her bones breaking and reshifting and yeah. moving around mm-hmm. really scary the kind of fucked up thing in that whole sequence is that Dennis Dune is trapped in the closet yeah seeing all this shit happens while the two like minions like keep an eye on him and like he's like yo can you break through the wall and get me out of here and they're like yeah it's gonna take like a couple hours and they work on it so half acidly like they basically like just like spend 10 minutes like kind of poking the wall just a tad and then go do whatever and like look out the window try to jump out the window for no reason come back in the window and it's only when it's clear like she's about to fuck shit up that they're like oh shit we better get him out of there and really like within like five minutes like kick the whole wall down uh they could have more expeditiously tried to clear him from the closet i feel that was like the first couple days of waterproofing slim's place (laughs) (laughs) that felt like on this watch it just felt like he was in there for half the movie or more like he was in there a very long time and they didn't really work that hard at all getting but when he freaks out and he's like smashing the uh flashlight he's just like smashing the wall and totally flipping Mm -hmm. out he was hilarious the two pacing problems are like that whole thing of them being trapped and him being trapped in the closet goes on forever. And at the same time, there's the guy who's just staring in the mirror, like laughing quietly, oh, yeah. like, sort of creepily. Like that whole thing also goes on for like 20 years while the priest just <laughs> prays way too loudly. It's like, just pray. You don't have to say it out loud. Just pray inside your head. Uh-huh. Like God will hear you. Mm. Yeah. So the transformed Kelly pizza face she's gonna basically pull her father you know the king of darkness i guess or the anti-god pull him through the mirror and i do love the priest like cuts her arm off and she grows it back that's a great practical effect that was good arm comes out Cuts her head off. She picks it back up, puts it on. My note there was just like cut faster. Like, you know, like don't like <laughs> keep going. You know, like just keep, yeah. keep cutting. <laughs> Why was her hand so thick? Like it's a great she's, question. Ob- she's wearing like an oven mitt, like a glove and, but there's something. like dying skin on her hand. Why not just like use her real hand? It I don't might understand have been why because they like thickened her fingers. It, it might have been because they they took I think the dolly or the crane and they drained all of the mercury out of it, and that's what they used to do the effect. So she had to like put her hand into mercury to grab the demon hand oh, and, really? and pull it through. Wow. Okay. So I don't think that was OSHA certified. They had a pool of mercury. That's how they did the mirror effect. That's how they did that effect. Yeah, of the hand going through. That's definitely not. That's you shouldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so I love this. You have basically all these different zombies that are fighting um, as different people are trying to stay alive. The last few remaining folks, and Catherine is in the hallway, and she looks and sees um, the chosen one staring into the mirror and starting to pull forward the demon. And there's a moment where she's just like laughing and crying at the same time. And in H.P. Lovecraft, Call of Cthulhu, uh, which is a terrific genre, and also um, there's a whole series of role-playing games, you have this concept of faced with you know the universe being indifferent or evil, you lose your sanity. And in that moment, mm-hmm. she kind of breaks, but has the forethought to go ahead and tackle her into the mirror. And the shot of her from the other dimension as she's reaching oh back towards the light, and it flickers. That was great. Oh, so good. 
That's a magical shot. Best frames of the movie, for sure. Movie mm-hmm. magic. Yeah, there should be some kind of like boutique posters created with that shot in mind or something, because mm-hmm. it's, it's really good. So then we have, uh, you know, the final dream with the, the, she goes through the mirror, the priest is able to uh, break it with an ax, and it's over. They have survived. All the zombies are dead. And we cut to the final dream. And again, this time it's Catherine on that side. And then Brian wakes up in his bed and turns to the side. And there's Pizza Face right there. Although somebody said that was actually Catherine that time. Yeah, I think that's Catherine. Mm. I didn't, I didn't in notice his, In that. his nightmare anyway. And then he approaches the mirror and slowly reaching out to touch it. That shot is great. Mm-hmm. And it goes to credits. Yeah, I, I, I'm very forgiving for the writing and the cast in this movie. Just because of the, the, the really out there plot. And it's just really under the radar for me. Like the, No one really talks about Prince of Darkness because he has so many other bangers. You know, they, everyone wants to talk about the thing. But for my money, Prince of Darkness is probably my fave of his big run of science fiction movies. Wow. Um, even though I like I agree, it gets kind of boring with the zombies rolling around for 20 minutes doing jackass. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Just like standing. The, they don't even move. They don't. Like, they, the, <laughs> like I was wondering on this watch that the one guy with a cut neck is staring at the mirror because he's like pissed that he's not the one to save mm-hmm. the anti-god and bring him through. So he's just like looking at the mirror knowing that he can't do that for the anti-god so he's just like losing his mind mm. but even so i still you know i love the the idea of the f- fraudulent religion um the the class the tachyons this is the only other movie i've heard with tachyons you know outside of comic books really mm-hmm. and even then that's kind of like a uh time travel is like you know kind of a red flag for people like once you hear about that stuff you're kind of out so maybe that could be why this has kind of flown under the radar for so many years, at least mm. mainstream-wise. What's your What's your final rating for the film? I'm still at four and a half stars on my letterbox. <laughs> it's so many stars! Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm very I'm very forgiving. This isn't a four and a half star production. This is like a four and a half star entertainment value for me watching it. Totally. So very different than um, you know. Is this actually a five star movie? No. But my fun watching it is definitely very high. It's going to be amazing when Villeneuve's Dune is a full star lower than this movie <laughs> in a month's time. Place That's your bets. Gonna be... Prince of Darkness still higher than Dune 2021. <laughs> Easily in the lead. <laughs> all right. DST, what about you? What's your, uh, what's your rating? I like all the, the sort of, you know, the conceit of the movie and what it was aiming for. It, it gets a little dull for me in sort of the middle the middle third and and, you know i think they kind of dump a bunch of stuff in whereas they kind of like if they had teased it out more throughout the movie it would have been better i do like the way he shoots it i like all the stuff that's not dialogue and acting um and so those those parts i think are pretty good so it's a solid like two and a half star movie for me it's Mm. it's solidly it's a full star better than excalibur wow Um, so it does not crack three (laughs) i'm gonna say four stars for me um, oh, this wow. this movie is really fun and and it's creative. Yeah, Slim, who would Tilda Swinton play? God, the anti god. Probably this, this <laughs> feels like it would be kind of Suspiria ish uh, towards the end of this movie. Like if the, if A twenty four were to do a version of this movie, you know it would be kind of up out there uh, with some of that stuff. Mm. 
Jason. Uh, uh, the Alice Cooper role. What about oh, Tilda Swinton? <laughs> Tilda Swinton as a as a chief zombie would be pretty good. I feel love it. I'm gonna go with Priest. Mm-hmm. I would love to see mm-hmm. her okay. clutching her Bible and freaking out mm-hmm. and sweating. All right, <laughs> we did it. Amazing. Made it through. Wow. Now, Slim, I want to talk about, you know, you had a change in status since the last time you were on here. You've taken Mm. on new responsibility and you're piloting a new chapter. I am, of course, talking about your new dog. Oh, (laughs) thank God. (laughs) I did get a new dog. That's correct. What is her Uh, name? She's beautiful. Nova is is right behind me. She's asleep downstairs in my apartment. (laughs) My wife calls it my apartment, the basement. Um... (laughs) That's a bad Nova sign. is a uh, puppy mill rescue. So she she's a uh, question mark, seven years old. She's a German shepherd. And we have been on vacation for a while. And I've been searching puppy rescue Instagrams that are nearby locally. Mm. And she was available for about a month. And I told Amanda, I was like, I think I'm ready to adopt. And so we're her first ever home. She's been in a puppy mill for her entire life, making babies for these kind of awful situations you know people buy these kind of like purebred shepherds for like two grand or whatever she was Mm -hmm. you know producing all these pups so this uh rescue has a contact at these mills so like Mm. when they're about to get rid of uh the moms they call these volunteers like hey heads up it's time do you want them so she's fantastic she's great yes we want them yeah what a good dog yeah amazing dog does your kid help take care of the dog? Is he no. old enough to help? God, yeah. no. He, he plays Fortnite <laughs> for 12 hours <laughs> and he comes down and says hello to the dog before getting a hot pocket before he retreats back up into his room to play Fortnite. Close the door, yeah. <laughs> he wants a dog. He wants one of those doges. What's that kind of dog uh, that's a oh, doge? Oh, yeah, yeah. Doge? A Shiba? Shiba? Yeah, we went to the dog park and there was a Shiba in new walking up and he was like frozen. He's like, yeah. is that a Shiba? And the guy was like, yeah. And he was yeah. like, he like wouldn't even move. He was like in front of the gate to the dog park. I was like, James, you have to move. He's trying to get into the dog park. Yeah. So that's the dog he wants, but I have no and no idea that he would ever take care of that dog. They're those are very difficult. Kev points out in chat that they're mean. They're 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 very uh manipulative. Like they do a thing, like the Shiba Inu has a thing called the Shiba Inu scream, where it like sounds like it's being like hit or abused. And the Shiba Inu is smart enough that when, if you're out in public with it and it doesn't want to leave the dog park and you're like, okay, come on, let's go. And it doesn't want to go. It will do the Shiba Inu scream uh, to like make other people think that you're mistreating it. So you're like, okay, hey, oh hey, God. take it easy, take it easy. Like it's a, wow. it's a very- Horrifying. It's a very tricky dog. It's also like a one person dog. Like it's loyal to one person only and not that not would happen once with James and then we would be in charge of that dog for the rest <laughs> of the days. So I'm for not the next doing ten that. years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm asking people I know who have older kids older than my own, mm. like when I can expect some some assistance around here and uh, <laughs> you know Griffin looking, is looking. Griffin is almost three, right? Almost three, yeah. Yeah, okay. Next you year. Waste, That's you when it starts. He'll start waking them, we'll get we'll take them for walks, get their food out. Do something. Yeah. <laughs> Just earn your keep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. That was great. Slim. Thanks for having me. So incredible. My um, pleasure. 
if if folks are not already listening to 70 millimeter you must immediately listen to the latest episode and then you will want to join their patreon also mm. you can find slim every week hosting and editing and producing the letterboxd podcast which is yeah. exceptional thank um, you incredible talent coming on that and his uh, film insights as always so definitely check that out and that's it for this special vacation episode of dune pod i want to thank jason and slim for a wild ride next week superstar comics artist scotty young joins us as john carpenter finds another gear in his first collaboration with kurt russell 1981's incredible Escape from New York. Let's go. If you're enjoying the show, check out our Discord server where you can sign up to join us at the Dune Pod IMAX private screening of Dune on opening night in San Francisco. A link is in the show notes. You can find our full movie set list on Letterboxd. And if you want to support them by upgrading to pro or patron status, use promo code DunePod at checkout to save 20%. Dune Pod is a Tape Deck Podcast John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. Clips and transcripts were provided by Sophie Shin, and the episode was edited by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. The show was produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.